0: Our body was designed to alert us when symptoms um, occur due to stagnation. And when I see this stagnation in my clients and I see it become chronic, there's an extract that comes to mind, and that is sweet chestnut. My name is Lauren Hubelay and I'm a health coach and I'm a gemotherapy expert. And I'm here with two of my colleagues to talk to you further about gemotherapy, the tree that Um, provides the buds for gemotherapy and the Asian medicine lens. Here with me today is Terry Brooks. Terry's an herbalist. Terry why don't you introduce yourself to everyone.
1: Hi everyone. Hi Lauren and Megan. I'm happy to be here today. I am very excited that even in Minnesota we are now, I am now able to start making herbal remedies. So I've been out and done a bit of that and within Next week or so, I might be able to do some demo remedies too. So, I've got a few in mind. Great, great. I'll give you my list, Terry. Okay,
0: <laughs> do that. <laughs> and joining us together is um, Megan Limp. Megan's an acupuncturist. And, Megan, why don't you introduce yourself to the group?
2: Hi, Lauren and Terry, and everybody who's joining us. Thank you so much for being here together. I'm excited to talk about sweet chestnut and join with all of you.
0: Great. Great. So Terry, sweet chestnuts, a beautiful tree. We don't get to see it very often in America. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it looks like?
1: That's right. We don't see it very often here. Well, the Latin name for it is Castanea sativa. And I think that's interesting because sativa as a species name means that it's a cultivated plant, but it also denotes plants that offer good health. So sativa is also the species name for um, plants as varied as garlic, which is Allium sativa, oats, Avena sativa, lettuce, alfalfa, peas, and many other food plants. So that's our first hint, that this has been used for food for a long time. This, this tree grows 60 to 115 feet tall, and it has an immense diameter of the trunk, up to seven feet. It's native to the Mediterranean. It's abundant in Southern Europe, Turkey, Greece, uh, Bulgaria, that kind of region. It grows in well-drained soil with adequate moisture. It tolerates full sun to moderate shade, but it does require a cold period during the winter. Now we're not talking about minus 40 degrees like Minnesota, but it does require a cold period. Um, It grows erect when it's planted with other trees. But when it's a single tree in the, in the area, it will branch out. So it has a lot of branching involved if, it's, if, it, if there's enough distance between trees. The bark of an older tree of this kind is usually a purplish, purplish gray. It's pretty distinct color, I believe. And more interesting than that is the fact that on the older trees, there's a lot of deep fissures and they make a spiraling up the tree, but in both directions. That reminds me of DNA.
2: Yeah.
1: Just reminds me of DNA or circulation or something like that in general, if we're just looking at what the plant can tell us from what it looks like. It lives up to 600 years or longer if it's well cultivated. Some have been found to be a thousand years old. It has glossy oblong leaves that are pointed at the tip with serrated edges. And other thing that is interesting is there are both female and male flowers on the same tree, but not just on the same tree, on the same flower spike. So you'll have a long spike, and the male flowers are toward the end, and the female flowers are toward um, where it attaches to the branch. Um, Those female flowers will turn into a nut. A capsule and I I actually have this is not from the sweet chestnut but a tree very closely related. This is the buckeye. I don't know if you can see this. Um, Mm -hmm. This one happens to still be in the capsule. Mm -hmm. These capsules can hold anywhere from one to five or six dots depending on the size. Very small that's what they look like early in the summer. Very spiny. Now this one's a little harder spine than what a sweet chestnut is but you get the idea what it might look like. Um, And then, of course, those nuts will fall from the tree in the fall, September, October, generally. Squirrels love them. (laughs) They're the first ones to get them. But that's that's the tree in a nutshell, if you will. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. (laughs)
0: What about historical uses or folklore associated with the sweet chestnut tree?
1: This tree, you know, a lot of the folklore comes from Great Britain or the United Kingdom. And uh, this tree does not have a lot of folklore involved with it or very little mythology because it was introduced to that area. So it was not an indigenous tree to Britain. But um, I did find a source that said it was dedicated to Zeus. And I think that's very interesting because Zeus is the god of the thunderbolt. He uses that thunderbolt for... His uh, weapon if you will and another source that called this a lightning tree meaning that lightning is often attracted to this tree. So let's give that some thought and see if we can find how that ties into anything. Um, The nuts from the tree have been used for food for thousands of years and they've been dried and ground for flour. In fact it's said that Roman soldiers were fed chestnut porridge before they would go off to battle. The nutritional data proves that this is much more nutritious than an equal amount of barley, so that may have some bearing on why they were fed this. Um, The wood from the tree has been used for building poles for piers and buildings, and they say it's similar to the wood from oak. The tannin, they would take the bark and soak that in water to release tannin, and that is used for tanning animal skins and creating leather Um, medicinally. It has been used, the bark has been used as a fever remedy. The roots have been used as a tincture for increasing circulation and leaves, bark, um, like we said, the roots, the nuts, all those parts being used for different medicines. They have an astringent action that increases the circulation, but it also treats bleeding, it treats diarrhea, so that astringent will tone up that tissue. It's also anti-inflammatory and it has some expectorant qualities. So any coughing that you're trying to release some phlegm or mucus, this would be beneficial. Let's see. The leaves are usually harvested in early summer and they have been used, again, for teas, infusions to treat fevers, convulsive coughs, and other irritable conditions from the respiratory tract. Um, Going on, the leaves have also been used for rheumatism to lower uh, ease lower back pain and stiff muscles and joints kind of thing and also it's used as a decoction to gargle for a sore throat Mm. so we've got a lot of things going on with this this plant well
0: that that leads us to some you've shown us some of the medicinal qualities but are is there more potential for this extract
1: Well, I think that the fact that so many parts, virtually every part of this plant is used for something medicinally, it makes sense that the gemmo with the meristem cells could address a lot of issues and be very useful. Um, I would like to say that nutritionally, it is just a powerhouse. It has a lot of very important micronutrients, including magnesium, manganese, potassium, Copper and iron are high also, as well as a couple of the B vitamins and vitamin C. It has a lot of that. In fact, this plant, it has been used even recently in some parts of the world as a flower substitute. And for those on a gluten-free diet, it's very beneficial. Um, It seems to influence the circulatory and lymphatic systems in a special way. And I thought it was interesting to note that the Bach flower essence remedies use this as one of their 38 prime remedies. And the words describing it are to use it for extreme mental anguish, hopelessness, despair, loneliness, feeling exhausted. Um, The future may seem to be a void, yet there's a small kernel of hope left in the person that needs this remedy. I think uh, (laughs) we've got a lot going on here. And the plant has also been used by people that practice magic. And they say that it is a powerful love potion. And if there's anything we need now, it's more love and less fear, I think. So maybe that points another direction for its use.
0: Wonderful, Terry. Wow, so much information. And it sounds like a tree we need to be looking at right now. So what I would like to do is tell us what what this tree does once the buds have been made into a gemotherapy extract. And we have a primary action of the sweet chestnut extract. and, And this primary action, what's important to point out is it's a slow and methodical moving extract. So we need to take that in account on its work it does on the tonification of the lower body. So this would include the legs, where it's known to resolve lymphatic and venous congestion. This direct action on the lymphatic and circulatory systems, which you've mentioned, Terry, leads to improved lymphatic and vascular circulation, protecting the vein walls from any further damage. What I see with this extract is um, its use in, in resolving congested areas. And so when we have a very um, good extract that does that in acute states, and that happens to be common alder, it's very good at moving inflammation in this highly acute state. But when we've moved into the chronic state, this is where sweet chestnut can really shine, in this slow methodical moving, just getting things going again. It has a secondary action on the respiratory system, and I think that needs to be highlighted today as we're dealing with this virus that um, has an affinity for the respiratory system. It's known to be an expectorant, but when we think about what sweet chestnut does is it moves through the veins and the lymphatic system of the lower body, opening pathways and resolving this congestion, we can see how useful it would be um, right now Um, where we, and, and even emotionally right now, when we all feel so congested, right? And confined, and we're looking for pathways out. So who might use sweet chestnut? Well, acutely, I like to see sweet chestnut in a protocol for anything having to do with the bronchi and low lungs. It's not going to be the primary extract. It needs to complement other extracts. And you might consider something like black honeysuckle or hazel or lithi or hornbeam to accompany it, maybe more than one. But it's supporting the action of that acute protocol when inflammation has been stuck. So it may not be your first, like within the first 24 or 48, or even 72 hours. But when we see that it's stuck, it's time to bring in sweet chestnut. Um, In addition, this is very interesting. Sweet chestnut is, is such a good general detoxifier. It's an excellent extract to use after dental work or if there's been exposure to any toxic substances. Then, When we're working with someone on a chronic level and elimination has been optimized or improved and we're ready to start moving things, moving these congested states that still remain, those that weren't resolved just by optimizing elimination, we look to sweet chestnut for those states in the lower body. So any symptoms of poor circulation in the lower limbs, any edema, heaviness, I've used sweet chestnut often during the last trimester of pregnancy for women, where those veins and lymphatic system gets very congested. And we can pair it then with its cousin, horse chestnut, or Terry, am I even right? Is it really related to horse chestnut?
1: They're in the same family, but not the same genus, I believe. Okay, okay. So there, there is
0: some relationships there. I would pair it with horse chestnut, or we consider rowan tree with it. If there's a presence of varicose veins, what's important to know is sweet chestnut isn't going to repair those veins, it's going to protect from further damage and open up the congested states. You'll need to look to something like horse chestnut for the repair work there. Then um, also for painful menstrual cramping, it can be used the month or the week before the menstrual cycle begins with raspberry and it's quite effective while you're working with someone to restore that on a more holistic level. And then finally, if someone has a longstanding, and this happens in a lot of our uh, more mature adults, a longstanding need to clear the throat, that, <clears> throat> or an evening cough, or first thing in the morning. Um, if you give sweet chestnut, late in the afternoon, in the early evening, perhaps with hazel, you can resolve that cough and, and that take care of that long-standing congestion. So that's what I have to say about sweet chestnut from the gymotherapy bottle. I'd love to pass this on to you, Megan, and have you cast your light on it through the Asian medicine lens.
2: Yeah, Lauren and Terry, thank you for everything that you're saying because I think this really rounds out the picture for me and I love how we all look at it a little differently and so complimentary. Sweet chestnut, when I stop and think about sweet chestnut, I think it could really be called the extract of flow because its ability to move bodily fluids is so effective. In fact, one of the things that stood out for me when I was doing some reading about this extract I came across a line that said, sweet chestnut is an extract that opposes the phenomenon of stasis. And it was a really aha moment for me about this extract because I think that really says it all. Whether we're talking about the physicality or maybe even our mental and emotional state, we all know what stasis feels like. We know that sweet chestnut is known for its ability to move blood and lymph And we know that from an Asian medical lens, the deeper an imbalance moves into the system, the more it affects the blood level. And this in turn affects our body's natural processes of maintaining health. For example, the body's basic ability to clean itself relies on blood carrying waste out of the cells. As Lauren said, sweet chestnut can be used for respiratory issues. And we don't often think about how blood flow is such a part of our respiration and our breathing. In order for the body to utilize oxygen, it has to enter the bloodstream. And it's the movement of our blood that carries our oxygen throughout the body. So when the interior of our body becomes compromised, as Lauren said, because something is moving into a more chronic, deeper situation, our blood movement is often going to be affected. And then we'll see inflammation and sometimes heat move into deeper areas of the body, sometimes even at the organ level, for example, the lungs. And this is because when movement slows in the body, pressure builds. And when pressure builds, we lose our ability to grasp and ground our chi, and the chi starts to rise up. For example, when we're talking about lung chi, the nature of our lung energy is to descend. And when things are stuck and they start to rise up, that's when we'll see that deep incessant coughing, that sweet chestnut has been really known to help. Imagine it's like a river that has a dam in it. We see these rising symptoms, really sometimes without any ability to release them. And the release valve in the body, is the movement of fluids. This allows the body to again employ all of its processes necessary to nourish and tone and clean itself so that we can move back to our natural state of maintaining health. So when we're looking at deeper inflammation or more chronic inflammation, particularly related to blood and lymph and the respiratory tract, this is when we want to look towards sweet chestnut.
0: Wow, Megan, that's awesome. What a great picture you've given for it. So th- we've given you a lot of information, certainly about sweet sweet chestnut, but we also have more information to share about our line of work. And I'd love to invite you to come take a look at my website, laurenjouvelet.com. This is where um, you can find blog posts about all different types of uh, health conditions that gemotherapy can be supportive in. I also have a brand new book out, Restoring Your Immunity, very timely um, publication, and it would be good for now and for the years to come. You can find that directly on my website. Megan, where can people find out more about the Asian medicine perspective? Yes, if you're looking to read a book about basic Asian medical philosophy,
2: you can look towards the book, The Web That Has No Weaver. If you're looking to find out more about my practice or uh, Asian medicine in general, gemotherapy therapy from an Asian medicine lens, you can visit my website at acculent.com. And on my website right now, you can link to a series that I'm doing right now while we're distancing and we can't receive work in person, whether that's acupuncture or massage or whatever it is that you employ for your self care. I'm offering a free series of short videos to uh, teach folks how to work on themselves at home. AccuLemp.com is where you can access them.
0: Beautiful. Thanks, Megan, for that gift of those videos. They're amazing. Thank you for doing that. And Terry, how can we learn more about trees?
1: Go outside, (laughs) take a deep (laughs) breath. I would like to invite you to use all of your senses. There's so much to see, to feel, to smell at this time of the year. The trees are there for us. They always have been for there for us as well as themselves. And I think if you just use your powers of observation that we so often just we're in such a hurry, we don't bother to think or see what's really out there. And there is a lot of wonder out there. Yeah, it sure is. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for reminding
0: of this. Ladies, thanks for all your wisdom today. And um, I uh, look forward to our next recording.